بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله الكريم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته dear brothers and sisters and welcome to today's Islamica I am your host Saliha Islam Bukhari and I will be taking your questions today inshallah um, before I begin to take the questions of course I'd like to just uh, share a reminder with you the life um, the life here in UK is so fast-paced that we often you know forget to give time to our relationships and I'm not just talking about you know our um, family and friends but sometimes we often also forget to give attention to our spouses and that's one of the most important relationships because as you will all be aware that the relationship between a husband and wife is ever so important because if this relationship is strong then you will have a strong foundation for um, your family so for this reason I just wanted to um, remind ourselves myself first and foremost and of course our audience that um, this time you've been spending with family and you know accommodating each other having dinners with each other perhaps having weddings celebrations it's a good reminder that this is one of the sunnahs of our Prophet This is something our Prophet uh, of course practiced himself and this is something we should be practicing as well. We know from a hadith that our Nabi has said that, um, in, and this is in Sahih Bukhari, um, he has said that which means that the best of you are those who are best towards their families and I am the best towards my families. And of course we know from um, you know the history from Sirah and from a hadith that the Prophet had many uh, wives and relatives. So we see the best examples in him, how he treated his um, relatives, how he treated his wives. We have many examples in um, our seerah um, and we should be looking to these examples and of course we know that we may not be able to reach the that stage of perfection like our prophet but of course we can strive towards it and um, and this holiday period saw us you know um, all making effort for relations you know we were either hosting our teachers our shuyukh our parents you know our children um, and, and also, you know, um, there's a reminder in the Quran in Surah An-Nisa where Allah Azza wa Jal says, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم It says, وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ الَّذِي تَسَأَلُونَ بِهِ وَالْأَرْحَامِ So it means that fear Allah, fear Allah for, um, you know, in the case of when those who ask you uh, by him and by the relationship of the womb and you know, um, the, our ulama have interpreted it in many different ways, but they have all agreed that this means that we should fulfill our relations, you know, our, our womb relations, you know, with your siblings, your parents, your children. And we should honor these relations because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said so. And also, as I said, we have our examples in the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So now we will uh, take our first call, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum how are you, sister? Hi. Alhamdulillah. I have a question. Of course, please go ahead. Regarding regarding salah. Mm -hmm. Say if I'm doing four rakat or two, three rakat, mm -hmm. 
So in three rakat, on the third rakat, you just read uh, Alhamdulillah. And then by mistake, if, I, if I'm thinking that I have to do the uh, another surah and I say Bismillah and I stop and realize, no, I don't have to. Uh -huh. uh, do another uh, surah because it's seen, uh, three rakah. Okay. So uh, do I then have to do the sajda surah for that mistake? Okay, Jazakallah khairan. Um, it's a very good question. I mean, um, with regards to salah, you find that, of course, our mind wanders off when we're doing salah. Often we don't know whether we're in the first rakah, in the uh, second uh, rakah or the third rakah. And as the sister, uh, you know, as you mentioned, that, you know, sometimes we're on such a roll that we just go on to reading the next surah. You mentioned that when you've reached the third rakah, you've, of course, you've said surah uh, al-Fatiha and you say bismillah and, and then you realise you don't need to continue. Um, it's, it's a very um, uh, small passage that you've added, bismillah, in the name of Allah. But, you know, what we can do is, um, of course, you haven't um, read an entire surah, but we know from um, uh, the hukm sharia and the fiqh um, knowledge that we have about, about salah, that when you reach the end, um, you know, you can do sajda as-sahwa, and it's not just for that one mistake. Any shortcomings you have in your prayer, if you've missed out something or if you've added something which is not part of the faraid or wajib, then of course you can, once you reach the end of the salah, and you've said salam, um, so you say salam to your right side, um, you know, turning your head to the right. And then you um, read your uh, tashahud and you can, you know, do sajda, uh, sahwa, and then continue um, to make up for that mistake by repeating uh, tashahud. So this can be for any of the mistakes. So although the sister is saying that, you know, it, it was just a small addition, bismillah, um, the idea is that, of course, you want your um, salah to be perfected, um, you know, you want all the shortcomings to be overlooked. So it's better to do sajda sahwa because there may be other things that you've, um, you know, made small errors on and you just wish to make up for them. It's, um, you know, just a better precaution to do so. But of course, if you've read the entire surah as well, in that case, you most definitely will, um, you know, read sajda sahwa. So jazakillah um, khairan for your uh, question, sister. Um, these uh, questions often come up and I think um, we find that brothers and sisters will feel shy to ask or perhaps feel that, you know, if I ask, it will look like I don't know much. Um, and it's really important to understand the halal and haram of anything we do, of any action we do. This is the whole uh, point behind uh, seeking education in Islam. As we know, our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you know, has advised us, he has said, um, he said that the seeking of knowledge is fard upon all Muslims. He didn't define whether it was men or women. Of course, it's inclusive um, of all genders. So from this, we understand that it is an obligation for us to seek knowledge, um, you know, not just about salah, um, but any, any question that comes up in our mind. Um, we had a question from a sister um, who um, asked, what to do with pieces of paper which may have, um, you know, certain ayahs written on them or just Islamic knowledge written on them with references to Quranic ayahs or a hadith even. And also sometimes we may have loose papers of the mushaf, you know, the um, uh, Quran, which we're not sure of how to dispose of. So first of all, if it's something that is usable in a note form or it's a book, 
um, you know, look for schools or um, masajid, you know, mosques or even um, supplementary schools to uh, donate them to. So it may be of benefit to others. Often if you put out a note between, you know, friends and relatives on a WhatsApp group, um, you know, if somebody would like to pick up these notes or these books, you will find that others may benefit for, um, from these notes. If, if, of course, that doesn't happen and you find that, um, you know, it's um, in, in, in real bad state and it's not usable by others, then, of course, you can find ways of disposing of them. So our ulama have often um, said that we've in, in the traditional times, what would happen is you would respectfully wrap these up. Um, so, of course, we're talking about the mushaf. You would wrap up the mushaf and you would be able to bury it because we have to understand that in those times they didn't have what we have now. So for example, in the modern day we have shredders. So now if you can put these papers through shredders, because what will happen is when you put a piece of paper through a shredder, it is shredded. It is no longer a complete verse or a complete reference. So it has fallen to pieces and you know just become bits of paper. So this is another method of um, you know disposing of them. And as I said, um, you know, the non-wasteful way is to offer them to others who may benefit from them because it is beneficial knowledge, failing all of that. Take it to a place where perhaps, you know, they will be able to dispose of it for you. Or if not, you know, find a way that you can use a shredder, whether you have one at home or, you know, a friend or colleague who has one and can help you in the situation. So I hope that has answered your question. Jazakallah khair and my uh, dear sister. That is something I think we often um, do worry about because we often have many books and um, many uh, papers of knowledge that we collect over the years that naturally, um, you know, we, we don't want to keep for the rest of our days. So um, thank you so much for uh, um, bringing up that question. Um, I will um, now look at our one of our questions that has come in uh, via WhatsApp. Um, so the question is from a sister who has asked, how can I explain to my little children the problems I have with their father without having any negative impact on their psycholo psychology and character? SubhanAllah, this is such an important question, isn't it? Uh, she said, please note that we are separated but not divorced because of his neglect, um, infidelity, lying and stealing. SubhanAllah. May Allah make it easy for you, my dear sister. Um, this is a really difficult situation to be in. Now, as we look around us, we find that we are surrounded by many marriages falling apart. And, you know, the um, situation of divorce has reached such a level, especially over the, um, um, you know, the COVID period. We know that, you know, many people went through difficulties in their relationships. Now, whether these difficulties are something, you know, that has happened recently or something that has been bothering you over the years, it's a difficult time when you're separated and you're trying to figure out your relationship, um, you know, trying to figure out whether it's going to work. Of course, you will have, um, you know, you will be looking towards counseling you will be looking towards your elders you will receive mashwara and you know hopefully you will seek mashwara in these situations from your elders uh, from your imams or from your local shuyu and of course if there is no possibility of reconciliation then what needs to be looked at is how to go forward um, you know how to separate in the best way um, according um, you know to the sunnah of our prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam 
But in these situations, how do we deal with our children? Well, first and foremost, I think it's really important for both spouses to understand that if your relationship is failing, you know, it is really important for you not to involve your children. And I know this is a problem we have worldwide that when a um, couple fall apart, when, um, you know, the spouses disagree and there is naturally there is contention between the two, um, you know, there is a rise of enmity. And, you know, subhanAllah, this is what we need to really fight in ourselves. Because at the end of the day, we know from the Quran and Sunnah that when a relationship fails and, you know, we know that it's not going to survive, then we have to take all our steps according to the Sunnah of our Prophet وسلم, and according to the guidance of the Quran. So naturally, we have to still keep ourselves composed. And um, when it comes to children, it's really difficult because you don't want to convey the whole situation to them, but you want to get them involved. So let them know that, you know, um, their parents, um, you know, have been married for a long time and, you know, they have disagreements. They have decided um, to separate because they have problems that they need to sort out. Of course, these problems should not be shared because we don't want to turn the ch children against their mother or father. Both parents play an important role in the child's life and, as you said, you know, can psychologically have an impact on them. So we just want to let the children know that there is a situation which means they, they will be separated from, um, you know, the parents will be separated from each other and that means this will have an impact on the child. But we need to just reassure them that we will you know, go forward and try to ensure that they have a relationship with both parents and try to ensure that this has least impact on their lives. Um, so reassurance and also have people around you who can reassure you, who can reassure your children. Um, and, you know, if you can speak to your spouse um, on, a, on a, you know, level to level and appeal uh, with them that, you know, you have the children's interest here at hand. Um, and, you know, who knows, everybody is quite merciful and especially towards our children. So with your children, of course, um, try to um, reach out for help. Um, you know, if you feel that they can do with counselling, then look towards counselling. You can um, contact your GP, perhaps they can put you in touch. There are many Islamic counsellors around as well, so you can seek um, Islamic counselling and hopefully this will help the children understand as they go through these problems. Um, I hope that has answered your question, uh, dear sister, and I do pray. Um, I do pray that um, things turn out, inshallah. So, alhamdulillah, um, these are the questions we have answered so far. We have more questions coming in. Um, are step-siblings mahram or non-mahram? Okay, so this question, um, again, we will have to look at because if your siblings are from the same mother or father, then of course they will be mahram. And if they have, um, if you have shared the same, um, you know, suckling mother, then again you will be mahram. So it's a lot of details to look at because sometimes you can have siblings which you are not directly related to. So, um, you know, this is what we will look out for. Um, I hope that has answered your question. So really, if you are sharing the same mother and father, you will be mahram to each other. Or if you have been suckled by the same mother, then you will be mahram to each other. And our next question is, um, okay, if you did not miss your fast when you was a teenager, and now that you're grown up and realized, but you don't remember how many years this has happened, um, I think it's about making up your fasts. 
So inshallah, you know, you can, if you were Bali, then of course the fasting was incumbent, incumbent upon you. So you can make an estimate of um, how much fast you have missed. And inshallah, over the years to come, you can make these up. It's not an issue. You know, you can repent. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, is always accepting our repentance. And there's many ways to repent. So please, um, yeah, just keep a record of any fasts um, you can miss. And, you know, if you don't have an exact record, just estimate and try and um, do that regularly. Inshallah, over a particular period of time, you will have uh, made up your fasts. Um, and last, I think this will be the last question we may be able to take. How to fight procrastination and your lower nafs? Mm. So... Procrastination is a problem we all face, isn't it, subhanAllah? Mm -hmm. um, I will answer that one first because we will be um, shortly coming to a break. So procrastination is something, there are times we feel tired, there are times we feel lazy. So make a distinction between whether you're feeling tired or whether you're feeling lazy. Because if you're feeling tired, then, you know, remember that your body has a write-up on you as well. You need to rest, eat, and sleep. And then you'll be able to do all these things. Always keep an intention as a Muslim or Muslimah that you know everything we do is about worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in in and you know seek protection from Allah from the shaitan and you will find that inshallah if you do your dhikr you will be, um, you know, you will const constantly be renewing your energy, inshallah. I hope that helps. So just look out for whether you are actually tired or being lazy. And sometimes it's good to take time off. Um, but always have goals and always have the intention to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the best way possible. The problem of procrastination, I think we all face that at some point in our lives, if not, you know, every day. And I think one of the things that I find helps me, and I think that, which helps all Muslims, is that we have our day regulated by our salah. So we have salah five times a day. And anybody who sticks to these times will realize that, you know, the, this regulates what we do throughout the day. So inshallah, if you, um, you know, stick to your salah and stick to what you need to do around those times, you'll find barakah in your time. And I think the most barakah we will get is, of course, from Fajr Salah. So if you can stick to those, then inshallah, you will find um, that, you know, you are able to tackle this problem. Of course, um, as, as I said earlier, that, you know, the procrastination can be because you're simply burnt out. So if that is the case, do take out time for yourself. And, um, you know, of course, we've just had a long holidays. You take out time for yourself and, of course, time with your uh, family and your spouse and, you know, your children, etc. Um, OK, inshallah. So with that, I'll move on to our next question. And of course, we were talking about children, um, the well-being of children when it comes to um, divorcing or separating. I think this is a big issue faced by, um, you know, a lot of people around the world. Many families are affected by this. And I just wanted to say that it does have impact on the children. And it's very natural for a parent to worry about what the children will go through. But I think the more difficult challenge lies with um, the husband and wife trying to not get the children involved. Often what happens is if the children are especially, you know, passed on, if there's shared custody and the children are spending time with both the mother and the father, you know, alhamdulillah, instead of the children being an inspiration, um, sorry, instead of the parents being an inspiration to the children, they become bad examples because they have anger and hatred towards each other. 
we need to remember that you know even when we go through something um, um, as our uh, Prophet وسلم, you know, addressed it as abghadul halal this is what Allah uh, says about divorce that it's the most um, you know hated thing which is permissible um, and if you have to resort to this then you want to still do it in the best way possible and again the reason you're doing this is to bring um, benefit uh, to everybody who is involved inshallah um, so I'm going to move on to the next question with that now um, we have a question of is wudu required for ghusl so when you are doing ghusl, according um, you know, to the Hanafi school of thought, of course, um, when you immerse yourself in the water and you, know, you have covered yourself from head to toe and the water has reached every part of your bod body, you are considered to be in wudu. Of course, the sunnah is to um, um, do the um, actions of wudu as well, but if um, you've forgotten to do that, um, but you have, um, you know, um, performed ghusl completely and fulfilled the conditions of ghusl, then you will be in wudu, you will be considered to have wudu. So I hope that answers your question. Although, remember, it is sunnah to actually um, carry out the actions of wudu uh, when you are doing ghusl. Um, moving on now, um, are you Islamically divorced if separated for a number of years? Again, when we come to marriage and divorce, this is a very pressing question which our community faces. Um, and we often find sometimes spouses go missing without informing, uh, you know, their family or they've actually just, you know, angrily or, you know, are upset and leave the family home and don't contact the spouse and let them know of their whereabouts or whether they intend to continue the marriage or not. Of course, in a situation like that, um, you must seek mashwara. You can approach a, a Sharia council to know where you stand legally because every case can differ. You know, different cases will have different um, circumstances. You will have different situations. So it's best to approach a Sharia council. Again, do your homework. Find the best Sharia council which you feel you know will answer your questions and you feel will help you through this difficult time. So, for example, if you have been separated over a number of years, it doesn't mean to say that automatically in the Hanafi madhab that this will count as divorce. Um, so you would have to actively seek uh, the divorce by a Sharia council. And any problem that you face within a marriage, you know, if you find you don't have the answers, always go to those who, you know, to the people of knowledge to find the answers to your questions. Now, whether this is um, at your local masjid, whether, you know, you have um, shuyukh who you live around, who you study with, then you may ask them as well. And of course, remember that, you know, the shuyukh who give you these answers, they will give the answers according to their madhab. But if it is what you know helps you through your problem and you're happy with the ruling they give you then you may accept that it does not have to be of the same madhab so um, so long as you are um, going to scholars for these answers then it's fine you may accept their answers but always seek where you feel that they will address your problem um, and understand your problem accordingly um, now we have another question come in i'm in my early 50s and my daughters are early 20s are we allowed to go Hajj? 
So this is also another big question, isn't it? Um, if you're in your early 50s, uh, sister, um, I mean, alhamdulillah, um, you know, you're, you've made the beautiful intention of going Hajj and as you say, you have young daughters. Um, I, I'm aware that recently all these changes have happened with the Hajj procedures um, and I, I, I do know that sisters above the age of 50 um, are able to travel on their own now. Um, when I say on their own, they're able to travel in groups so they don't have a mahram. Um, but as you say, it's a question of whether your daughters um, are accompanying you or not. Um, so you are allowed to go Hajj, of course, if your daughters are accompanying you and you have no other mahram um, and you have no other you know, way of taking your daughters to Hajj, then again, find a reliable group. Um, and if you are going with a group of women um, in, in similarly you know, age to yourself, then inshallah, I think you can find a way around this and take your daughters. I hope that answers your question. Jazakumullah khairan. Um, unfortunately, this is all I can take for today, but Jazakumullah khairan for your questions and your patience. I do hope you join us on our next program of Islamica. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, dear brothers and sisters. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَطِيعُوا اللَّهَ وَأَطِيعُوا الرَّسُولَ وَأُولِي الْأَمْرِ مِنْكُمْ فَإِنْ تَنَازَعْتُمْ فِي شَيْءٍ فَرُدُّوهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَالرَّسُولِ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ تُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ 